Well, that's why I asked. That's how you learn, by asking, you dumbass. TGIF, it's Manson Mitchell with Gary Manson, Suzanne Mitchell. A double shot of good conversation with great guests to jumpstart your weekend. Manson Mitchell, you're on the air. Thank you, Eric Kramer, TGIF indeed. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Mance. I'm Suzanne Mitchell. Together, we are Mance and Mitchell in your ears for the hour. We also have, as we do typically of a Friday, our buddy, bad boy, Benny Mathers at the board. Benny, how are you today? Doing awesome, as usual. It's good to be back in the hot seat here with you guys. Oh, we always love having you with us. And congratulations to the suddenly surging Seattle Mariners. They lay waste to the Oakland Athletics. And I think it just gets better from here. Yeah, uh, World Series is uh, not too far away. I'm obviously thinking uh, optimistically. (laughs) I hope so, too. It'd be the first time. I would love nothing more in the fall, nothing more than to see the Seattle Mariners go to the World Series. Wouldn't that be terrific? I think it'd be awesome. First, we should start with the playoffs because we haven't been there as enough times either so there we go (laughs) yes let's let's make sure we get there without the crushing disappointment of 2001 i still remember that you had to bring it up did you you had to bring it up that broke dave niehaus's heart and uh, a whole lot of hearts besides yeah (laughs) oh my goodness so go m's yep and suzanne you and i he quickly pivots you and I have the pleasure and the privilege of talking to a couple that they're, they have rocketed to the top of the list. Those people whom we regard as friends, yet we've never met face to face. Yes, one of the well, two of those people that we would definitely like to uh, have a meal with and get to know a little bit better because we just know them from the radio. And they agreed to be on today and we didn't even know what the topic was going to be. And you and I sat down and we made up a list of things to talk to them about that they know nothing about. It's, it's not their books. It's not anything that we have talked about before in this way, but we are going to uh, hammer them with great questions of things that it's going to surprise them. Now, now, does this mean that they've got to hire out Jen Saki to try and <laughs> fend off a barrage of questions? <laughs> that maybe thinly veiled criticism or perhaps barbed in some way. We wouldn't do that there's, to the Medias. There's no barbarous japes. <laughs> there are no criticisms. Well, thank you for that, Moira. <laughs> <laughs> we have wonderful topics. Why don't you introduce them today? Let's bring them on because my list is hot and ready to go. My goodness. We love Suzanne when she's hot and ready to go. So I'm going to bring up the guest bio at this time. <laughs> Betty's over there nodding. Well, I mean, I, I had more to say, but I think you took care of it. And I think you want to move on. How lascivious of you, my fine friend. That's what I'm And he's going back at you. Right. <laughs> Our guest today, the Medeas, my goodness, we love to talk to them. Tanya Medea is an author, Reiki master, medium, yoga teacher, and massage therapist who believes in the importance of cultivating and trusting your intuition. She has seen firsthand how practices such as yoga, meditation, and Reiki lead to a deeper awareness and understanding of the natural intuitive abilities that we all possess. And she now teaches others how to develop these life-enhancing skills. Tanya feels extremely blessed to be called upon so often to help others on their personal path. Now, as for Joey Medea, 
when he is not investigating or writing about strange phenomena, is a screenwriter, audio dramatist, playwright, novelist, actor, and director. He specializes in bringing true stories to the stage, page, and screen. Joey, a gifted storyteller, also applies the skills of a story analyst and extensive training in a variety of spiritual systems to his paranormal investigations. And so once again, we welcome the Medias, Tanya and Joey. Glad to have you with us again. Thank you so much. This is the fifth time. Yes, we're thrilled to be here. Oh, that's great. That's great. And I understand that you two today are not in the same place. Gary and I happen to be in the same room across from each other, but uh, Gary said that you were going to be in two different places today. Is that right, Tanya? That is correct. I'm down in Alexandria, Kentucky, visiting my father this oh. uh, weekend. Rainy? It has been. Actually, today it's not raining, but yesterday we got lots of rain as we did the day before as well. All right. And Joey, you're holding down the home fort today? I'm in the creative cottage in Eastern Ohio being a father. Our son is here. So nice. Yeah. Yep. Nice. You know, Suzanne and I have over 20 years. We'll we'll have been officially together on September 30. It will be 20 years. And I get the feeling, and we have been often accused, and I use that word humorously, we've been accused of being joined at the hip there and i'm proud to say that that is 99 true when we are operating in each other's absence we always stay in touch last call of the night in order to maintain this connection which has been a constant for us and when i think of us in that mode i think of the two of you more than anybody else you two are spiritually joined at the hip we are i think yes. it was meant to it was Hun, we're going to be 24 years in December married. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's been destined from the very start. I like that. Is there anything more you want to say about that, Joey? Yeah. Well, if, if you don't mind. So I had in 1997, I had an absolute shakeup in my life. I'm a pretty intuitive guy. I pay attention to details. Um, I watch everything that's going around. And I missed uh, some very important things that were very, very close to me in my life completely blew up. Um, And I had to make some serious changes if I was going to continue on earth, to be quite frank. So the stakes were immensely high. So I called some friends that ran a theater that I'd done theater with for years. I called them out in Arizona. I was living... Uh, in Jersey at the time, having just left Maine, uh, quite unexpectedly, like I said, and um, I went out and I used my life savings to stay for them, stay with them for six weeks. And there was this picture on the wall of this beautiful blonde, uh, button nose, great cheekbones. I happen to be looking at the picture. It's right here in my office all these years later. So I know exactly what it looks like. And I, I, made the mistake at the time of saying, who is that woman? Uh, Next thing I know, uh, the entire theater staff was working very hard to get us connected. And that was in May. We started dating in July. 
I moved in in September, proposed later in September. We got married in December, and it's going to be 25 years. Wow, that is pretty intense and a pretty yeah. short period of time too, Joey. I mean, that's oh, yeah. all kind of smushed together. Yeah, and Tanya <laughs> had the two boys. I was escaping an, an absolute atomic bomb that had gone off in my life, which I had planned so carefully from the time that I was a little kid. Um, and it was, it, it, was, it was amazing. And there was a time, Tanya had uh, two sons, one of which I adopted, the other which I'm very close with. And they're both grown men now, mid-20s and mid-30s. And um, Jeremy was two at the time, combing his hair after a bath. And he said, well, so he was three. And he said, um, so uh, I don't even know if he was calling me dad at the time, but he said, do you know, do you know why your wife left you? And I said, I have some pretty good ideas, but I'll take a three-year-old's perspective on, you know, what just occurred. I'm game. And he said, well, he said, I needed a daddy and, and, and mommy needed a husband and the angels knew that. So, so they wow. brought you here. Yeah. So 25 Are years later, wow. I'm still getting, I'm still getting misty eyed. So it, it feels nothing less than divine since we're talking about metaphysics, since we're talking about big topics today apparently because we don't know and i'm a nervous wreck if you can't tell uh. <laughs> i'm not as together as i usually am because i don't have notes in front of me um yeah i have uh, okay so we'll go all the way with this i have fallen more in love uh with tanya every single day and that is not an exaggeration at all wow that is a great great opening that's a story that's never been told here i just love that joey thank you and don't be nervous about our questions because it's all <laughs> stuff you can answer. Hey, I dyed my hair red today, uh, just anticipating like Jan. So I'm ready to go. I'll field all questions. That's your secret <laughs> weapon. Yeah. Yes, it well, is. That's, that's, that's Tanya's big surprise I've been hinting at for days. <laughs> I see. You know, I, I don't know how many places the two of you have lived, either separately or together, but it seems to me in the few years that we've been in touch with you, you've named several places. And so I wanted to lead off with a question to Tanya. Uh, I don't know what parts of the United States that you've lived in, but since you both study metaphysical things and have done uh, research, paranormal research, do you find equally haunted places throughout the United States? Or do you find some regions are more haunted than another? And what is that based on? Is it based on the trauma of that area or something else? That's a great question. I would say, um, and I have lived a lot of places. I grew up, my dad was in the military. So uh, I was an Air Force brat. Uh, so I moved around a lot in my childhood and just kind of carried that into my adulthood. And I think that pretty much every place is equally haunted. Um, I like to say the whole world is haunted, really. But I think that there are certain areas that tend to have more um, activity of what what we would call high strangeness, um, you know, like UFO flaps, or maybe, you know, Bigfoot sightings, cryptid sightings, that type of thing. And I definitely think in those instances, um, I think the geology and uh you know uh certainly the history of the of the location comes into play but 
it seems like uh, where there are places with, um, say, like a high limestone content or perhaps underground caverns, uh, there tends to be, I think, a lot more uh, activity in terms of high strangeness. But as far as hauntings, hauntings are everywhere. Um, I just, you know, I've that's totally been my my experience. Wouldn't you agree, Joey? Yes, I would. And um, part of the re- even though, so we've counted it up. We've moved almost 40 times in our life. Excuse me. Between I'm, the I'm, two, I'm, two of yeah, us. I, I suspected <clears throat> you guys had moved around a lot, but 40, and, that's a big number. Yeah. And you know what? Um, I believe that Paul McCartney had a song called Wanderlust, a wonderful song. And uh, I have that. And I think as a storyteller, if you live in one place, I have noticed in my life, again, since we're, we're free ranging today, I have noticed that there's an inverse proportion to how much of an experience people have in the world and the size of their opinions. My opinions actually tend to be very small because the world is a very, very, very diverse place. Um, but coming back to your question, the Mid-Ohio Valley, where we have lived... Um, off and on for the past 15 years, but mostly on, is an absolute hotbed. And I think it's the geography. I think it's the history. I think it's the the rivers. Um, and it's an interesting area. You have the Rust Belt and, and the steel industry and, and um, very complex personalities with, um, you know, and the history of the indigenous peoples and the colonial settlers, uh, to use, you know, very topical terms. Um, so that really makes it, it, this is amazing laboratory here in the mid-Ohio Valley. And, and to me, it's one of the most haunted areas in the United States. In terms of what the two of you do, it seems to me you have to have a willing suspension of disbelief unless you are naturally attuned to the mindset that allows for an interdimensional view of reality. There are many people walking this earth who believe that we live these lives in a biosphere. We, when sperm meets egg, you know, here's our lucky candidate and we take form in a body and our destiny is to become dust. From stardust to dust, you shall return. And yet all of your work seems to indicate that there's a vast greater part of life that we're all missing. I, I, believe that that's I believe that that's true so I was raised Roman Catholic which is intensely mystical don't let anybody ever tell you different so people often ask us you know what were your earliest experiences and and Tanya was an experiencer from from the time she was born I just grew up in a world where um people rose from the dead and saints bled from wounds and smelled like roses when they died and bilocated and, um, you know, miracle after miracle, water was transmogrified into wine. So I grew up in this incredibly mystical world. I'm also scared to death of modernity. I'm scared to death of being bored. I have to keep going constantly. I even have trouble sleeping. So... I was curious. I was always curious. My dad's very curious, and he set me on the road to be a voracious reader, to be a polymath, to be always self-educating, and it always seemed like there was so much more. 
So when in 2009, so it was just, it was 12 years ago this month that we had our experience with the interdimensional being, I had to figure out what this was. It's culminating now 12 years later in a book called Parallels and Patterns, My Lifelong Quest for Answers. It's probably going to be a volume one. It's going to come out next year. But yeah, I'm convinced a multiverse I'm convinced we create our own reality. I'm convinced that we don't even understand the difference between aliens, interdimensional beings, time travelers, angels. It's so complicated, but so wonderful that I wake up every day and I'm like, let's see what we can maybe try to learn a little bit about more today. What is the universe going to share with us? If we're humble, if we have a healthy skepticism, what is the universe going to share with us? Good questions. You know, I, I like your open-mindedness, Joey. One of the things that Gary and I were talking about today was that the two of you do have so many interests. You are voracious readers. You have interests that go in every direction, and it allows us to go in every direction. So let me start with you, Tanya. In the matter of evidence, credible evidence, where do you think the most credible evidence is for the things that we can't see, the the metaphysical world? Do you think the best evidence is for ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, interdimensional beings? I mean, when you take a look at all of it, and, and you see it through your intuitive eyes, how can you bring that into this 3D realm in the, in the way that, how is it brought in in a way that convinces most people of its existence uh, out of all the things that you have looked at? What do you, what do you think has the, the biggest chance of, of getting accepted mainstream? Wow, that's another great question. Um... I, well, I think that all of them have great potential in terms of evidence, um, particularly for me, I think, uh, and Joey, Joey um, is in the, same, in the same boat with me on this, um, anecdotal evidence is, you know, it's accepted in a court of law. And it's, I think, the best, the best evidence we have, because if you look, let's, let's talk about survival of consciousness after the death of the body. Um, If you look at all of the accounts of people who have had experiences um, and, and compare those experiences, um, particularly if you bring in mediumship and look at, um, you know, the experience, the evidence that the medium can bring through. For example, when I am doing a reading, I did one, it was so delightful. Just last week, I was doing a reading for a woman and her granny was coming through and she was showing me things that were very, very specific. Um, Something as detailed as she was showing me a lunchbox And she was making a sandwich with some kind of meat spread. And she was wrapping the sandwich in wax paper. And this had extreme um, meaning for for the person I was doing the reading for because her grandmother used to make this particular meat spread. And, and she was showing me that, you know, she put onions in there and that she didn't like onions and like all of these little details. And she was really laughing about the wax paper because she said as a child, 
uh, they couldn't afford the the plastic Ziploc baggies that all the other kids had. So that wax paper, she was always embarrassed about having her sandwich in the wax paper. So, and that kind of thing, not just, you know, doesn't just happen for me, uh, you know, so many mediums get that kind of detail and evidence and information. So I think if you just look across the board in terms of the evidence that comes through through mediumship or just the um, experience anecdotally that people have and they compare notes, um, I think it's very strong. I think it would hold up in a court of law. And fortunately, we're dealing with the court of public opinion rather than having to adjudicate. So that makes life easier, make your mm -hmm. work easier, as long as you aren't, you know, plagiarizing or telling people what do doctors know or some other ridiculous stuff like that. I think exactly. the, after, the afterlife was a good answer because where everybody hasn't seen a Bigfoot or everybody hasn't seen a UFO, everybody has known somebody who has passed away. And, exactly. And, and, and so the, probably there's more people interested in the afterlife, wouldn't you think? I think so. And I, I think another reason that we're all so fascinated and curious about the afterlife is none of us are getting out of here alive. So, you know, we're all really curious and, and some people even very anxious about what happens, you know, after death. And I'm here to say, don't worry, dying is perfectly safe. Uh, okay, Joey, do you agree with Tanya? Do you have a little different take on it? Do you think ev credible evidence is pretty good in another area? I agree, I agree with Tanya and I also agree with you, Suzanne, that it seems that the percentages are highest, highest when it comes to life after death. And, and I'm doing a deep dive now into ancient history. We're talking like uh, in, the, in Britain, in the British Isles, 2000, 3000 BC, where there are these stone complexes that are absolutely immense, like on the Orkney Isles and very, very detailed. We're talking 5,000 years ago. So, so death has been the preoccupation of the living since the very, very, very beginning. I do right now, um, and we were doing a show last night, I had a special co-host on our show, Into the Outer Realms, um, talking about alien contact abduction and um, hybridization. And so the smoking gun, I think, in that area is implants and the work of Dr. Roger Lear. So I think the more that gets released about these implants that are being taken out of people um, that emit radio waves that are made of nanotubules that are um, have biological cocoons around them so the body doesn't reject them. That's something studyable that can give credence to the whole alien abduction narrative, which can easily be by cynics reduced down to its mass sexual trauma or people are simply making it up or they watched a movie about alien abduction and they dreamed about it and now they're convinced real and uh, regression hypnosis has no place. So I think that that's a very important smoking gun. On the other side, what Tanya and I have really come to with survival um, consciousness surviving death is reincarnation. Because um, there's people like Ian Stevenson and his mentor at the University of Virginia who studied thousands of these cases who show pictures of five people to a three-year-old child and say, uh, 
which one is you or which one was your mother or which one was your friend and they pick the picture out they go right to it there's no hesitation there's no hemming and hawing um they interview people um there was a young lady in india she said i'm from a village she's seven or eight years old i'm from a village 100 miles away my husband is named such and such here's the house that he lives in let's go there and they go there and they see it so i do think Tanya's is absolutely right anecdotal evidence is what we have but think about empirical evidence it's the same thing it's going into the laboratory and enacting a story you just happen to be using scientific tools to enact the story. But I do think there are things like implants, things like reincarnation testing that give us uh, some pretty good hints that there's something legitimate going on in the world. Your attention to scientific protocol, to applying whenever possible the scientific method. And people in the world of science, we mean whenever possible, you apply the scientific method to any question that can be answered or at least speculated upon by scientists. Fair enough. I love that you do that. I also love your commitment, Joey and Tanya, to being forthright in what you find, what you don't find, what you believe, and what you don't believe. I mentioned this in connection with a conference I attended many years ago. It was over a decade now. And it had to do with um, UFO crashes, with contact experiences, physical evidence of extraterrestrials, and what they leave behind if a ship does crash, uh, crash, what was found, what was found at Roswell, right, the granddaddy of them all, but these other places as well. And one of the speakers who is no longer with us, said that he had clear evidence of recovered material, I believe it was from the crash at Roswell, purportedly. And in the middle of this presentation, which of course immediately heightened interest, this gentleman said, and wouldn't you know, somebody came in, I don't know how they did it, it could be somebody from the federal government or some secret organization, but somebody came in and stole that artifact. And then in another presentation, which happened subsequent to that, it might have been a radio interview that I listened to a few years later. The same person gets on there and talks about how he went on a trip to Area 51 and, oh, the strange things in the skies, right? And wouldn't you know, he said, there he is without his camera. Okay, so they came in and they stole your artifact. That's bad enough. But then you purposely go to Area 51 to gather evidence and you don't bring a camera with you. You're willing to brave the security forces guarding the perimeter of Area 51, but you forgot your doggone camera. And when I, I hear this kind of stuff, my inner skeptic comes to the fore and I yearn to hear from somebody who takes scientific protocols very seriously, especially if in their day job, they're a scientist. <laughs> exactly so it turned out that was an editorial more than a question i just <laughs> had to okay. get that out and i feel so much better oh good just in time for take us out to a break well we're at the bottom of the hour let's take our one and only break of this hour we so enjoy talking to tanya and joey medea and the great thing about those folks is they never fight over who gets top billing I can say Joey and Tanya, I can say Tanya and Joey, and no offense is taken. 
That's why we like to have them on here. Plus, you can bring them on for metaphysical Q&A, throw anything at them, and despite a nervous tick that may be developing in either of them, they come up with elegant answers. <laughs> no need to be a nervous wreck. You're among friends. And I mean all of us who are tuned in right here at Seattle's home of alternative talk. We will be right back. More of Manson Mitchell, more of the Medeas right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine with all your itinerary. We could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Staying connected with Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell is easy. Just go to manceandmitchell.com for the latest info on topics and guests. Friend Gary Mance and Suzanne Mitchell on their Facebook pages and like the Mance and Mitchell show page at facebook.com slash Mitchell. If you're on Twitter, share a follow with Gary and Suzanne at Mance Mitchell. Join Gary and Suzanne Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for an unusual show that covers everything from personal growth to the paranormal. Here's an amazing act. Here's a tremendous act. Here's a startling act. The amazing, the thrilling, the greatest, spectacular, incredible, exciting, wonderful, world fame, most unusual novelty act. The home of the A-Team of Alternative Talk is ManceAndMitchell.com. Heard right here on Alternative Talk 1150 AM or streaming live from your computer anywhere. Terry Loving wants to help you with your online marketing challenges right now. She has several courses she is giving away to help you get your business working for you online. Yes, giving away. WordPress websites are her specialty, yet her technical skills go way beyond that. Check out her blog at terryloving.com or email her directly at terry at terryloving.com. That's terry at terryloving.com. On Friday, Manson Mitchell welcome back Tanya and Joey Medea, a friendly and engaging couple whose metaphysical interests include ghosts, pirates, and much, much more. On Saturday, Mary Tory makes her Manson Mitchell debut to answer the question, if a miracle is really a miracle, or is it an inevitable outcome of applied principles? Bringing you mastery and mystery since 2007. We are Manson Mitchell, Friday and Saturday mornings at 10 on Alternative Talk, AM 1150. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Manson Mitchell and our guests this hour, Joey and Tanya Medea. I usually say Tanya and Joey, but I'm switching it up here, Joey and Tanya. If people would like to find out about your radio show, what you do, your website, this is the time to let our listeners know they might be there with pen and paper in hand wanting to connect with the two of you. So, Joey, where can they find you? Every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, if they go to the Into the Outer Realms Facebook page or to the Joey Medea YouTube channel, uh, they can watch Into the Outer Realms. It normally runs an hour to an hour and a half. And uh, we just did our 81st episode, and we, we've kind of broken it down into different features. By and large, we have guests. We have some great guests coming up um, from ufology and from vampirism and elongated skulls and Nephilim and secret 
government programs. I'm trying to think, and, and a big project called the Rainbow Bridge Project about uh, getting the world out of the mire of, of, of hatred and violence that it's in. So, so we tend to go, uh, we do a lot of paranormal, we do ufology, we do spiritual too, because that's very important to us and it's all linked. So they can see the show then, or they can watch the archive if they're listening to something on your radio station at that time, they can catch it on the archive. Um, and they can reach me probably through Facebook is the best way, Joey Medea or Instagram or Twitter. And Tanya, you want to tell them how to reach you? Sure. Uh, you can find me on my website, which is uh, tanyamedea.com. I'm also on Facebook. Oh, I'm sorry. Why don't you spell that? Sure. T-O-N-Y-A-M-A-D-I-A. Thank you. Very good. Um, Joey, you had mentioned earlier in, in one of your answers, you were talking about interdimensional beings. And it, it got me to thinking about uh, out-of-body experiences. Have you had an out-of-body experience? I have. And for me, I'm still quite a ways away from being able to do it at will and in a controlled manner. So I am an astral traveler. And, and this has been told by Reiki masters, by um, shamans, things like that. I spend a lot of, it could be why I'm never in a very deep sleep when I'm sleeping. But, but I do, I have left my body. When we were investigating the Webb Memorial Library, which really kind of put Tanya and I on the map when Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our dear mentor and friend, and yours as well, I know, um, when she published our book, uh, Watch Out for the Hallway, about the two years that we spent investigating there. One night, I woke up, and I was at a crossroads, and I didn't know where I was, and I was hearing this weird beeping light uh, this weird beeping sound, rather. And I looked up and it was the crossing sign out in front of the web. And I said, isn't that odd that in the middle of the night, I'm at the whoop, I like a rubber band being snapped, I snapped back into my body. So that was my most conscious out of body experience. But the astral traveling I've done, I'm also pretty good at lucid dreaming. So projecting my consciousness to another place. But, uh, but I think that that falls short of true out-of-body experience. Well, Suzanne has had one of those and I have not. I'm the kind of guy who, a, a very reputable psychiatrist who does a lot of past life regressions. He's a friend of Suzanne and mine. There, He said that he didn't, he could work with Suzanne, but he didn't think he could get Gary to go under sufficiently to participate in an experiment. There, it isn't that I have no interest in my past lives. I've had some suggestive evidence show up that boggles my mind, but I'm not prepared to say, oh, definitely I was this person or I had that experience. I just don't know. And that's because I put up, I'm a Virgo. I, I have a lot of native caution and skepticism. Uh, my left brain mm -hmm. works over time. And so for me to open up, to give permission in a way for a, a regressionist to take me through that experience, to put my past selves, my past life experiences at their disposal for examination is something that I am too cautious to allow unless something about the way I look at the world changes. So for those of you who've had these experiences and have had the courage to delve into past life experiences and the implications thereof, I admire you. 
My out-of-body experience, Joey, had a couple things that were similar to yours. It happened when I was under extreme stress in the late 70s. And under, under a lot of stress and I was having anxiety, I, I left my body one time that I'm aware of. And like you, I went to a location where I said, what am I doing here? And snapped right back. And the location that I went to was actually off the planet. I was looking back at planet Earth from some very distant location, and I could see it lit up the way, you know, you see it when they were talking about astronauts and, and the like, oh, uh, you know, being cool. on the moon. But, but I snapped right back like a rubber band. And, and I, for the one second or so that I was aware that I was out of my body, I was terrified. And so yeah. right back. Uh, yep. So that was mine. What about, what about you, Tanya? Have you ever had an out-of-body experience? Yes, I've, I've had many. Uh, the first time I, ha- I remember having an out-of-body experience was similar to, to what you just shared, Suzanne. I, uh, we had gone, I, this is when I found out I was claustrophobic. Actually, we had gone into a cave. I was living in Arizona. We were exploring this cave. We didn't go very far into it. And I realized that I was just freaking out. Um, so I came out of the cave and uh, I sort of like passed out. I mean, I hyperventilated to the point. I mean, that's how severe my claustrophobia, I discovered how severe it was. Uh, so as I passed out, I saw myself just kind of leave my body floated. I, like I was looking down at my body. And just like you, I snapped back like that scared me so much, even more than the cave, I guess. And I snapped back into my body. But um, throughout my life, uh, like Joey, when I'm sleeping, uh, I I have had a lot of -of out-of-body experiences. And then recently, I became so interested in in doing it at will. Um, I read Robert Monroe's uh, Journeys Out of the Body, which is a great book. I recommend it to anyone who's interested in learning how to do this at will. Um, I still haven't mastered uh, being able to do it whenever I I try it, but uh, I can, I can uh, occasionally uh, do it at will. So, uh, and and oftentimes what I'll do is just sort of um, lie down, go through the steps that he outlines in the book, and then I'll end up uh, leaving my body and walking around the house, which is just a, a really cool experience. Yikes. <laughs> now I have read testimonies from people and they might be as much theory as actual reports of experiences but i have read from at least one person who is considered authoritative that every night when we go into the dream state we fall asleep and at some point when the brain waves are just right we actually leave our bodies so that the obe the out-of-body experience Mm -hmm is universal among human beings once we enter the sleep state and on a nightly basis no less i i have my doubts i mean i how would you prove something like that but if we actually wander into these other realms including the outer realms we're doing it as a function of being spirits in a human body where consciousness is non-local and yet there we are sleeping in our own bed or in a hotel or at a campsite and our brain takes over when our lids are closed and we yield our consciousness to that experience. 
what do you make of that as a theory? I oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, no, 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 Go ahead, Tanya. I, I was just going to say I I tend to agree with that. Um, you know, I think you talked about being a Virgo, and Virgos do like to analyze things. And you know, I think a lot of times in our waking, you know, with waking consciousness we're we're analyzing constantly and thinking and, and we are in the left brain so when we go to sleep all of that shuts down and really allows for uh, you know our consciousness to to roam wherever it chooses that well, was I also like, yeah i oh, like that roaming part yes go ahead <laughs> no i was just gonna say robert monroe talks about that uh in in his book because he he noticed he was having these out-of-body experiences and he really again wanted to apply the scientific method so he meticulously uh took notes uh, for you know and then he developed this um sort of protocol that that he would use based on what his experience was when it would happen to him you know spontaneously and then of course later he founded the monroe institute because he did believe that that we all do this and it's just a matter of you know learning how to control it so that you can um you know make the most of it so we're we might be out of our bodies every night when we're dreaming what he's talking about is being able to leave your body when you're in more of a waking state do i understand that right well it's more of or choosing to do it rather than just dreaming exactly doing okay. it yeah doing it you know setting the intention exactly okay. so you're still you're not quite you know you're kind of in that liminal state is where you want to be because you want to be conscious enough that you're you know you can test certain things um and you know try things like he recommends like trying to put your hand through the wall different like he gives different techniques for for really testing am i really out of my body or am i dreaming kind of thing so yeah doing it more at will but you're not quite asleep but you're also not fully alert and you know awake excellent i have a note here gary and i only have one word and you gave it to me so i don't know what the question is bigfoot Okay. Yes. This uh, large hominid, bipedal there. I'm, I'm very curious about what you, Tanya, and you, Joey, think separately and together. Have you reached at least any tentative conclusions about the possible existence of a Sasquatch, a Bigfoot, and what kind of creature would that be? on our planet, because there are a lot of us who think if he exists at all, I'm, I'm even being sexist, there would be she, she big, big feet there uh, with both genders, that makes them earthbound creatures. And yet I hear some people say, well, you know, they're interdimensional. I go, no, I don't know that they're well, there, interdimensional. There's no, there's no bones. Where, where are the Burial remains? mounds, anything. That, yeah. I mean, even the Neanderthals, if you go back in the, the depths of human Conscious, early human consciousness, there were funereal rituals that you could clearly see delineated in the fossil record. You go back in, you, the anthropologist, the archaeologist, they dig up these sites and they find out that even back then, Neanderthals would say goodbye to their loved ones in a prescribed ritualistic way. And yet with Bigfoot, we don't see anything like that. Or do I have that all wrong? Do you folks have any conclusions at this point? Don't don't accept anything that is packaged as a conclusion. 
Um, you were talking about open minds, right? That there's some dispute where it began, but open mind uh, minds are like parachutes. They only work if they're open. So let's be open minded. Um, Gary and Suzanne, you know, because we've been talking for years uh, that I do professional pirating and write books about pirating, especially the golden age of piracy, because it was a crucial time in the formation of the world as far as uh, classism and how the aristocracy tr treated people, slave trade, and all that kind of stuff. And my pirate, Angus, has a very simple thing that he tells people. The powers that be want you fighting amongst yourself. So there's this huge fight happening in the Bigfoot world. And the powers that be love that. Because if you can't get your stuff together, you can't make a coherent statement. Um, they may be flesh and blood. They may be interdimensional. They could be both, just like UFOs. Are they nuts and bolts? Are they some kind of energy machine? They may be nuts and bolts where they are. They become pure energy in order to travel. They come through a portal, which is why we term them, a term we learned from Rosemary, uh, interdimensional beings. And then they get kind of solid. But if you really look at the evidence, right, look at the parallels and patterns, look at the anecdotal evidence, because we don't have a hell of a lot of physical evidence for Bigfoots. We have some plaster casts, we have some hunks of hair, uh, but we don't have a lot. Um, we don't have a funerary complex like you were talking about. We don't have a ton of bones or skulls or uh, we don't have DNA, although I think a couple of years ago it was very controversial, uh, but a woman did a series of tests and said, that it was a hybrid between humans and this thing that creates a Bigfoot. So we may have that, although it's been suppressed and, and maybe it's just wrong. But anyway, I kind of believe that we're best staying in the middle and being open to both things. And I really like this idea that they're physical in some dimension. They become energetic, but, and Tanya can tell you, there's plenty of cases where someone sees a UFO and there's a Bigfoot but the Bigfoot is buzzing or the Bigfoot has this weird black box or the Bigfoot uh, is telepathic with these people. And suddenly these people have all kinds of psi experiences and they're seeing ghosts like Tanya does and they're creating uh, uh, um, poltergeist activity in their homes. So the smart money with all of this is, is to be open-minded to the fact that we know very little about what's going on in the universe what it's made of, how it behaves. We only interact with a tiny bit of the electromagnetic spectrum, a tiny little bit that we can see without the aid of instruments. So that's my take on it. It's there, it's real, and we don't know yet. And Tanya? Uh, well, I certainly agree with, with everything Joey said, but I will add that, um, you know, Rosemary was... Uh, also, you know, Rosemary Ellen Guiley was very interested in Bigfoot. In fact, one of her last books was Planet Bigfoot. And uh, after she passed, one of the first messages she came through to me with was, Bigfoot is real and he exists in multiple dimensions, which was great for me because that's what I had suspected um, anyway, and I have done uh, some meditations where I've met up with Rosemary and believe it or not, on occasion, she is accompanied by a Bigfoot being. So take, <laughs> take that as you will. 
but that has been my experience. But I had had experiences um, prior to getting that message from Rosemary. Like throughout my life, I've had dreams where, um, you know, it felt very, very real, even though I, I knew it was a dream, but I would make contact with a Bigfoot uh, type creature and and communicate telepathically. So I kind of wondered, was that an out-of-body experience because it was so real and vivid um, and the detail was there? So for many years, I suspected that, um, you know, Bigfoot was probably an interdimensional being. When, when we're talking interdimensional beings and we're talking about where we go in the dream state, which has always fascinated me my entire life, um, maybe our spirits are themselves are interdimensional. And we, we go to another dimension in the dream world where these other people are there, these other events are occurring, uh, things are happening. And so in a way you can, you can piece the puzzle together uh, a little haphazardly by saying that if, if we go to another dimension, at, at least, you know, in that dream state, why couldn't other dimensions be coming here where we're in a 3d world and so they can they can remain energetic or or they can become you know 3d the way we are exactly it's it's kind of stretches the imagination to to draw those conclusions but you know if you if you stretch your imagination far enough you can kind of see where that makes sense don't you think oh absolutely yeah, and science is science is on our side increasingly. The gatekeepers are still there. Ta- Tanya and I are um, we're at the point in our careers now where we're we're going for grants, and some of these grants are pretty big with some pretty uh, prestigious organizations, and that's a wonderful sign that prestigious organizations are willing to give up pretty big bucks um, to, to help people like Tanya and I get access to scientific laboratories and uh, neuroscience and, 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 and sleep labs and dream labs and all that kind of thing. Um, but science is on our side and it all goes back to Nikola, Nikola Tesla saying that if you wanna understand the universe, you have to understand energy, frequency, and vibration. And when you look at the magnetic spectrum and you look what you can do with radio waves, uh, magnetism. Magnetism could explain, if you use magnetism in the right way, if you use the electromagnetic spectrum in the right way, you can levitate matter. You can morph matter. There, there are yep. these fascinating structures in Peru, yep. okay? On top of them are Incan structures. On top of those are Spanish structures, and they're far inferior, both of them. But these stones look like they were liquefied and fitted together and re-solidified. It sounds fantastical until you look at the work that Tesla was doing and you realize that the New Yorker Hotel, when he died, they took 20 or 30-something boxes of papers out of his the, the federal government of the United States. Um, they took over some of his patents. There were things going on that were very legitimate. So I think science has been on our side, so to speak, for a really long time and can explain interdimensionality. And I do, I think we range far and wide um, when we're in that liminal state. And some people do it consciously, right? Ascended masters. 
that's what they do. Um, and the rest of us are learning it and do it. Suzanne, I have had experience where I got scared out of my mind. I thought my third eye was opening a decade ago and I totally freaked out. So mm. even though I've been studying this now for the better part of two decades, it's still, it awes me, but there's still fright. And I think until I get beyond that fright, I will be limited in my frequency and my vibration and what I'm ultimately able to achieve. When you mention energy, frequency, and vibration, immediately I thought of the Coral Castle because the man who built the Coral Castle in Florida said he, he figured out how the Egyptians made the pyramids and a, a single person with no electricity built, uh, moved these stones that weighed tons. I forgot the man's name, Gary. You're pretty good with names. Uh, Edward Leeds Scalman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. it's right there. It is right there. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, and right here, we were fascinated by Coral Castle. Yep. Uh, you could you could move the door, which weighed, I don't know how many tons. It was nine, 10,000 pounds, something like that. You could move it with a single finger. At one time, that's At no longer time. possible because yeah. it's just degraded being out in the elements for so long. A right. lot, yeah. lot of hurricanes and a lot of stuff went through. And I think the, the ground underneath it shifted, but he had things there that were so well balanced. And he pulled that coral right out of the earth where he was living and, mm -hmm. and, and created uh, chairs and rooms and walls and uh, a house and all kinds of stuff just uh, cutting it up. And how did he cut that up with no electricity? And no help. He did it and himself. No help. Mm -hmm. a, a little guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that the smoking guns are there. I think the stakes are very high in a very materialistic world that relies on fossil fuels and all this kind of stuff that they don't, that they, <laughs> I say they, you know what I mean by that. Um, the powers that be just, you know, there's money to be made still. So I think that a lot of these things are out there and that that's the parallels and patterns. I think if you're really serious about what we do, you have to, Rosemary always had a book in her hand. When she came to visit us, there was social time. And then there were hours before she slept where she was writing, where she was reading, she was researching, doing interviews, that's what we learned from Rosemary, and that's the flag that we're trying to carry. This work is immensely time-consuming because there's so much data out there. And if you can bring it all in and you can start correlating it like a giant database, right? You, these patterns and parallels will emerge that give credence to anecdotal evidence. Then you start to add in some of these smoking guns, implants and elongated skulls and these fascinating um structures that have been in front of the public through ancient aliens for what two decades now i mean it's all out there so that's 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 where i'm at with it if we just do the work we'll get there great conversation today Joey thank Medea, you for Tanya being with Medea. us thanks folks we will do this again thank, thank you. you all right stay tuned for uh Christine Upchurch Show and later on American Road Trip Talk with host Gary Mance. Well said. Ooh. Have a great weekend, everyone.